Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Government Cheese. You got to admire Mike Huckabee's sales pitch as he's trying to win the Republican nomination just for its sheer chutzpah. He's highlighting the fact that most of us don't like how much the government interferes with our lives. And he runs around and he's saying, well, we want to get the federal government out of your life so you can just live your normal life. Unless you're gay. If you're gay, then we want to pass a constitutional amendment that's going to limit your choices. But other than that, it's okay. We're getting the government out of your life, except if you're pregnant. If you're pregnant, then we want another constitutional amendment that's going to make sure any decisions that you make are evangelical. But other than that, we want to get the government out of your life. And one of the things we're going to do to make that happen is implement the fair tax. And you know it's got to be nice and good and fine because it's called the fair tax. So it must be fair. Well, let's take a look, folks, at the fair tax. First of all, let's take a look at the promises of the fair tax. The fair tax was not invented by Huckabee. It was just something that he picked up on. It's being pushed very much by radio commentator Neil Bortz, who some libertarians consider to be a semi-libertarian. Some consider him to be a pseudo-libertarian. That's not a debate I'm going to get into right now. Neil's plan starts out with getting rid of all income taxes. All personal income taxes, social security tax, tax on investment, capital gains taxes, any kind of income tax, gone. And we're also going to do the same for corporations. We're going to get rid of all corporate sales taxes. All of this will be abolished, and it's all going to be replaced by a 23% federal sales tax. So anytime you buy anything new, this just won't apply to used things, but anytime you buy anything new, any goods, or anytime that you purchase any services, there'll be a 23% sales tax on it. Now, because we're not taxing income, there's no deductions. You don't get deductions for kids. You don't get deductions for a mortgage, but on the other side of it, you're going to get 100% of your paycheck. You're going to get a deduction-free paycheck, so it's going to be like everybody gets a raise. Now, on top of this, there is built in a prebate, a prepayment of taxes that you get from the government, a check that arrives in the mail every month, a piece of government cheese that we can all wait for. And what this is going to be is calculated on poverty levels of buying necessities. So you get this prebate that's going to cover the taxes that you're going to be paying on food and clothing and rent or whatever they decide necessities are. And all of these things together are just going to work beautifully. You see, because corporations are no longer paying a corporate tax, prices are going to fall. They're going to fall enough to make up for the increase of this high tax. So everything is going to cost about the same. And it's not going to cost us any more taxes because we're going to be paying about the same. 
Some will be paying a little more, some a little less, but for the most part, we're going to be paying about the same level of taxes. The government is going to get the same amount of income, but because taxes aren't coming out of your paycheck, you have more money, so the feds have the same amount of money. We magically have more money in our pockets, which we can spend on all kinds of things that are no more expensive than they were before this, even when you include the tax, and we'll have all kinds of extra money and we'll be super prosperous, and there will be plenty of bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches for everybody, except for our Jewish friends and vegetarian friends who can have falafel. Won't this all be puppies and rainbows and wonderful? We'll be so much better off. Okay. Now, let's step back into the world of reality. First off, right from the beginning, we're being lied to. The 23% is a lie. It's actually a 30% tax. You see, if you buy something for $100 and you pay $30 worth of tax on it, that $30 is only 23% of the total $130 price. This is bullshit. Nobody figures taxes that way. You don't say, well, uh, you know, when I buy something for $100 and pay $5 on the tax, it's not really 5%, it's 4.8% uh, because of it. No. It, it's, it's a lie. It's a con job. It's going to be a 30% sales tax. And this, of course, will go along with whatever local sales taxes you have which on average are about 7%, 6-7% in most parts of the country. So now we're looking at a 36% sales tax on every piece of new stuff that we buy, food, rent. Everything that we pay is going to have a 36% tax on it. Now the, the idea that corporations are going to be dropping their prices dramatically yeah, that's not going to work too well either because now they're paying that 36% extra on everything that they buy, all their raw materials. Everything they buy is going to have this huge tax on it. They don't have any deductions because they don't have any corporate tax. And because employees are now getting 100% of their paychecks instead of 80% or whatever they normally get, uh, in, unless you go in and start chopping their payroll, there's really no room there for prices to drop. And we all know most big corporations already juggle things, so they're not paying much in corporate taxes anyways. So this whole idea that prices are going to drop enough to absorb a 30% increase in the federal tax is just a fantasy. What about the government cheese, the prebate that we'll get? I've seen different numbers. One that I saw that looked like it was probably about right said that single people would be getting $320 a month and a married couple where both of them work would be getting $400 a month. Now think about this. A single mom who has two kids gets $320 a month. A married couple that has no kids gets $400 a month. Two people who are living together without being married gets $630 a month. You really think this is going to fly? You really think people are going to buy into this? All right, well, let's say we can get by that. Let's say that's not going to be a problem. Now let's go buy something. Let's go buy a brand new car. 
Typically, buying a new car is, from an investment standpoint, one of the worst things that you can do because it depreciates really, really quick. You drive it off the lot, you lose thousands of dollars. But we want a new car. There's just something about that new car smell. And we go to the dealer and we pick out our car and we get the options that we want and we haggle on price a little bit. And now we have a price of $22,500 for our new vehicle. We add our 6% local sales tax and we're looking at $23,850. Not bad. We can handle that. We've budgeted out. We're ready to buy. Now, add the fair tax. We add the federal and local tax and suddenly our $22,500 car is now $30,600. That's quite a jump. Maybe we should... Maybe we should drive the old beater a few more years. We can't afford a new car at that rate. Now, this isn't just speculation. We have a really good example of what happens when you raise the tax on expensive items. George Bush Sr. instituted a luxury tax on expensive cars, boats, and planes, and also furs and jewelry. And this tax was a 10% tax. The first year that it was in place, Yacht retailers in Florida reported a 77% drop in sales. There were, at the time, lots of small shops full of skilled craftsmen who built big boats, custom-built them. The number of them in existence dropped by about 75% in the first two years. No big surprises there when your sales dropped by that amount. Jewelry and car industries were hit as well fur industries, everything that was covered by this tax got hit. In fact, if you calculate the unemployment that was paid to the tens of thousands of people who were laid off as a result of the rapidly dwindling sales, more money was paid out in unemployment than was gained by increasing the tax. And of course, when the luxury tax went in, rich people didn't stop buying yachts, they just stopped buying yachts in America. And so money was fleeing the country. People were getting unemployed and getting unemployment benefits. And this was all because of a 10% increase in the tax. Imagine what kind of effect a 30% increase was going to have. And how about a new house? You want to buy a new house? I sit down and figure out the math on that. Suddenly every new house costs 30% more than it would have. Who's going to buy a new house in that kind of a situation? Not too many people. Now, of course, all of this assumes that 30% is going to be enough to run the government because everybody is going to play by the rules. And we know that that's nonsense, too. Because as soon as the price of something goes up, the black market activity increases. A while ago, in talking about how demand creates supply... I talked about how in my little village, six, seven hundred people, there are at least five illegal daycare operations that I know about where people provide daycare for a third to half the price of legal daycare. Because legal daycare is so burdened with state and federal regulations that it's very expensive. And so all these people have set up their little illegal daycare in their homes, and you go and you pay cash, but Instead of paying $200 a week to the daycare center, you're paying $75 a week or $100 a week cash for somebody to watch your kids. 
Now what's going to happen if that $200 a week now becomes $260 a week? Suddenly, there's a new market out there, and there's room for even more black market activity. Now, frankly, I think black market activity is a pretty cool thing. For instance, in the case of illegal daycare, it lets people go to work, which is good for the economy. And these people, in most cases, couldn't afford to go to work if they were doing legal daycare. People will do what they have to do to survive. And there's going to be all kinds of this stuff. You know, even now, a plumber comes over to your house and says, I'll do that job for $500. Unless you pay me cash, I'll do it for $400. You're going to see that kind of stuff just balloon out of control. You're going to have this huge underground economy, which is actually going to be good for the economy, but not very good for the federal government. Now, all the time that the fair tax is in effect, so is the 16th Amendment, and the income tax can be brought back at any time. Don't think you're going to get rid of that. Don't think that three-quarters of the states are going to ratify an amendment to repeal the 16th when they depend upon income tax to fuel their governments, that's not going to happen. And even if it does, they're still going to get their money. Take a look at New Hampshire. They have no state sales tax. They have no state income tax. But they have phenomenal property taxes. Taxes that are two and three and four times higher than similar properties anyplace else. They even have a view tax. If your property has a nice view, you have to pay a special tax on the view. They're going to get their money one way or the other. If they can't do it through income tax, they're going to do it through something else. And your 6% sales tax locally is going to become a 12% sales tax locally. And before you know it, you're going to see that you're paying 40% sales tax and 45% sales tax. And of course, as sales taxes go up, black market activity is going to go up. Revenues from those sales taxes is going to tend to come down. It's just going to be a vicious circle. So there are some enormous problems with this tax. The two biggest ones, though, that I see, the first one is the government cheese aspect. It makes every single one of us little government bitches waiting for our checks. And you can be certain that if this were to go through, that who gets what is going to be changed. But the biggest problem, from what I can see, is that this is designed to be revenue neutral. So the government gets the same amount of money coming in, which is the problem. Even with all of our deficit spending, the government's just too big they, because they have too much money. And, of course, everybody says, oh, we want the government to be smaller. We don't like how big the government is. And then one politician comes along, one guy running for president comes along and says, hey, I've got a plan. Let's close down all these government agencies. Here's a whole list of all the things that I will shut down and save us billions and billions of dollars year after year after year. And the response has been, oh, Ron, you're such a loony. So I guess we really don't want smaller government after all. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. So now, on top of a podcast that's longer than it's supposed to be, 
at least by my own made-up rules. I have closing comments that are going to be longer than they normally are because I got a phenomenal amount of email in response to my last rant, my last podcast. And usually I like to pick out a few letters and, and read them and respond to them. But I got so many of them. I actually considered doing a bonus podcast, just doing the letters. And I thought that would be a really cool idea. And I printed a bunch of them out and I just, I, I didn't get around to it. So, and I don't know how interesting that would be uh, for people who hadn't written the letters. So I'm just going to address them in bulk. And one of the themes that I got from quite a few of them from younger folks, younger listeners, was our generation is going to make the difference because our generation is liberty-oriented and we are waking up to the idea of liberty and we are going to change the world. Well, hey, more power to you and good luck with that. But it all sounds very familiar to me because I'm on the very tail end of the baby boom generation. I got to watch most of what was going on. I kind of reached maturity in the 70s. I really didn't get to participate much in the 60s, but I watched it all. And our generation was gonna change the world too. We were gonna put an end to war. We would put posters on our wall that said, war is not healthy for children and other living things. Or, what if they gave a war and nobody came? And we sang. We sang songs like, all we are saying is give peace a chance. We were going to change the world. And, you know, now, uh, decades later, I could look back and say, uh, yeah, yeah, we did. But our mistake, of course, was assuming that we were going to change it for the better. So again, I hope that you're right. I hope that a love of liberty is being instilled in young people enough to make a difference. But I see so much of the, well, we must have universal health care and you know, the government must take care of the less fortunate and all of this, you know, Hillary's thing with shared prosperity, which is really scary. I was watching television with my kids and Hillary was on the screen saying something about shared prosperity. And at the same time, they both said, that's communism. I love those kids. They're so smart. But a lot of people are buying it. By the way, I have an idea. If Hillary gets the nomination, I have an idea for a, a Republican ad campaign. All they have to do is put up pictures of her, just a, a picture of her, and just underneath it put, isn't she a creepy bitch? That's it. That could be their whole campaign slogan. Isn't she a creepy bitch? I think it would it would work really well. Anyways, young folks, your generation, change the world, great. But again, I've heard it before, and so I've got to be skeptical. And the bulk of what I got, most of what I got, were emails that said, ah, cheer up, you know, don't be so down, don't be so depressed, cheer up, have a cigar, hang out with your friends, have a good time. If you got to back off from being an activist, well, do it. You know, just relax. Just enjoy yourself, which is all advice that I have taken. In fact, it was advice that I took pretty much before I got it. Once I had the good rant out of my system, I felt pretty good. And I took my dog out for a walk and had a nice big fat cigar. 
So don't worry about me being too depressed. I mean, a lot of the way that you deal with the world is your own choice. You can say, oh man, things are just really horrible and falling apart and the promise that was America is being slowly destroyed from the inside. Or you can say, hey, it's a beautiful day outside and my dog wants to go for a walk and I'm going to go and party with some of my friends and enjoy yourself. And it's entirely up to you which path you take. Me, I choose the latter one. No matter how bad things get, I'm still going to do my best to enjoy myself. And I recommend that you do the same. And that's the end of this episode. So folks, never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.